Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today we've got one of my favorite topics. It's pigweed control. If you're having an issue with water hemp, palmer pigweed, redroot pigweed, any of those pigweed species, we've got the answers today. You can solve your problem and not let pigweed take your yields anymore. So we'll talk about that throughout the show. If, you, if you've got any questions about that or anything else that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphd Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. When it comes to pigweed control, here's the first thing that I'm going to tell you. A lot of these pigweed species, like water hemp and palmer pigweed, they can put on a million seeds per plant. I just want you to think about that for one second. A million seeds per plant. So even if you have just a handful of weeds that are going to seed out in your field, and even if they don't quite put on a million seeds, they're probably still going to put on a half million or more. And... I don't know what the germination percentage is going to be, even if it's not perfect. Let's even if it's let's say thirty percent or something, you're going to have a boatload of weeds the next year, and that's why these pigweed species, they've been getting what feels like out of control, out of hand here over the last few years, because they just put so darn much seed out. And then the other problem that we've had is resistance to different herbicides, whether it's ALS, Roundup. Atrazine, now they're talking HPPD resistance. So you start hearing all these things. Oh, and let me throw out one more thing. Water hemp and palmer pigweed have both been found to grow three inches in a day. Three inches in a day. So if you're going to be on label and kill something at the four to six inch tall range, and that's just on the label, by that point, you've already lost yield, let's face it. But at least you're on the label for herbicide control. Um, you have days. You don't have weeks, you have days. So it can get pretty frustrating. And when you hear all this and you drive around the country like I did this summer, I, I just remember one, I was doing a meeting with a bunch of farmers in North Dakota this fall. And I go, guys, it looks like here you had a tremendous crop of weeds. I've never seen weeds growing so well. Man, they look good. And, you know, I was kind of giving the guys a hard time. But it's like, I, I mean... They're, they're everywhere. There was so much prevent plant in that particular area. And oh my goodness, the, the, the water hemp plants that I saw, I mean, just thousands and thousands and thousands per acre. Well, even if you had 99% control, that's not going to cut it. You're still going to have a, a tremendous amount of weeds the following year, and you're going to have massive yield losses in whatever crop you raise there next. So anyway, Here's where I'm going with all this. You hear all this stuff, just the things that I've mentioned in the last two minutes, and you go, man, this is depressing. <laughs> and pigweed's the worst. And how am I going to stop this? This is terrible. It's the end of the world. Oh, my goodness. And people get depressed. Don't get depressed. I mean, here here's the good news. First of all, crop prices are good. And you might say, well, what in the world does that have to do with pigweed? Here's what it has to do with pigweed. You can afford to kill it. It's worth a lot of money for you to kill it. And the great news is 
We have so many options that will kill pigweed species. So don't let anybody ever tell you that we have super weeds and there's nothing you can do to stop a bunch of these weeds out there. No way. No way. We can kill every weed there is. First of all, you can go pull them by hand. You can use iron. I, I mean, any type of tillage you do, that will still kill a pigweed species just like it did 100 years ago. In terms of herbicides, yes, we have lost a few. So, I mean, Roundup isn't going to be perfect on every pigweed species anymore, nor are several other chemistries. But you know what? We got a whole bunch of modes of action that are still very viable. The number one mistake that I see made is this. People will buy products that are said to be two mode of action or three mode of action, and they start thinking, well, I've got two modes or three modes of action on this weed. You might, but the number one question I have for you is, are the modes of action effective modes of action? And I see people all the time paying money for products that aren't going to kill their weeds. <laughs> so on our farm, at least this last year, we really had two weed issues, period. We had water hemp, we had kochia. Now, were there a handful of other weeds out there? Sure. But my point is this. If I'm going to select a herbicide, it's going to kill pigweed and kochia, or I'm not going to use it. Why in the world would I spend money on something that doesn't kill the two weeds that would make up 99% of my weed spectrum? So that's the number one thing that I would encourage you to take a look at. For example, in soybeans, we see a lot of people using ALS herbicides pre-emerge. And I'm going, what? what? Why? If you're after water hemp and kosher, it's a complete waste of money. Get something that's actually going to kill that weed. That's why we talk about the three pre's all the time, where I'm going to use a yellow, metribuzin, and a PPO, either Authority or Valor, because each one of those individually is 90% or more on pigweed species. So if I've got three of them that are 90% or more, guess what my control is? It's 99% plus. And then the other thing you got to keep in mind with many of the pigweed species, they can come up a little bit later in the season. So that means you're going to have to have two things. One, herbicides that last longer and have good residual. And two, you want great crop canopy. So that's one of the reasons why if you've got a massive pigweed problem, we'd tell you, you know what? Maybe at least consider narrower rows with corn or soybeans. I mean, you don't have to do that, but I'm just saying it's a cultural practice and you don't have to plant any more seeds out there. So yes, the equipment might cost you some more. So there, there could be some expense with that. But that is something that I would just throw out if you say, well, I don't want to use more herbicides. Otherwise, you got to start pre, you got to come early post with something else, and you're going to have to come late post with another thing. If you do the right things in all three steps, you should have fantastic control of pigweed species, even if you don't necessarily change your row spacing. But anyway, we'll talk about pigweed throughout the show today and get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. It's all coming up on Ag PhD Radio. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. 
AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio talking pigweed control on today's program and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Dan Barron on with us right now from New Farm. And Dan, you've been hearing about this pigweed problem for a long time. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, we sure have. And, you know, the, the joy is spread everywhere, whether it's Palmer <laughs> in the south or <laughs> water hemp in the north. It's you know, Palmer's moving its way up uh, north and west, too. So, really, it's, I think, redroot prigweed is probably going to go extinct at some point, uh, as those two really have seemed to have taken the focus for a lot of growers. Yeah, a lot of different pigweeds out there. And then, of course, those species can definitely adapt to our herbicides that we're using, and, and we can certainly see resistance building pretty quickly to a, a number of different chemistries. And that's one of the, probably the, the scariest questions that we get from folks is, man, I hear another mode of action has gone by the wayside here in terms of controlling pigweeds. So uh, how do we attack this thing, Dan? Well, you know, it's it's a it starts with a really good basic soil applied residual program. You know, the way I would look at it, it's, it's almost like game planning, regardless of what cropping system you're in. You kind of pick a key weed that drives a lot of your herbicide programs, and generally water hemp in the east and palmer in the south and west really drive a lot of that. So it's kind of you build your soil residual program in a lot of cases around that. And we like PPOs, Metribuzin. Um, the yellows are still really effective. So that really helps starting up front with a strong soil residual program. Yeah, we agree completely. And that's been our strategy here, too, is that, hey, this mode of action works really good, but let's add at least a second, if not a third, effective mode of action to try and pre prevent resistance and just do the best job we can, because it's tough to get those pigweeds once they're up. They put on so many growing points so fast. They really do. And, and you know, there's great traits with dicamba, you know, 2,4-D, glufosinate, and all of those um 
you know, are kind of a backup plan. And I think as long as guys don't lean on those too heavily, you know, they really complement a strong soil residual. So I, I think kind of what we're hearing from the south, and that's always a bit of our canary in the coal mine, is that over-reliance on the technology seems to select for some of the, you know, more resistant um, water hemp or pigweed populations. So I think, I think that's kind of the key is to just stay ahead of it and not lean too heavy on the, on the post-emerge products. Hey, you mentioned the South and, and, you know, it's getting pretty cold up here in the North and we're done fighting weeds now. It, it gets, it gets below freezing at night, but for the guys in the South, it doesn't. And there's still weeds coming. Uh, I know we talk a lot about the fall sprays up here and, and I know you've been on the show uh, helping guys out with some of those recommendations. How about in the South? What, what do guys do? Are, are pigweeds still coming at this time of year? And uh, what strategies do you use in the fall? Yeah, so I think we're probably done with pigweed emergence, you know, in, by November. But, you know, you know, after summer grains, they'll still have a flush of Palmer coming into August and September. And those, believe it or not, can get enough growth to produce seeds. So a good post-harvest burn down, you know, using 2,4-D, uh, glufosinate, dicamba, those types of things, are they really pay for themselves because, you know, when it comes to the pigweeds, a lot of times it's a battle against that seed bank. Um, and so, yeah, post-harvest applications down there um, really do make sense. I would say by now we're probably done with the with the pigweed germination, but certainly September, October, they're still coming and can put on seed. All right, let me ask you about that seed bank. Final question here for you, Dan. Uh, just picked up a new farm, been known to have a few weeds out there. How How long will I be fighting that seed bank? Depends on the species. Now, fortunately, pigweed doesn't have the, you know, 20-year seed longevity in the soil. But I think a lot of what, what we're seeing when as guys are really studying this, it's like a three- to five-year um, soil bank when it comes to the pigweed. So, you know, post-harvest uh, seed destruction is some things guys are looking at, putting that on combines. And then just making sure that you clean up those fields before harvest really starts to, you know, take away the seed bank. So, it's one of those deals, like if you did pick up a new farm that's, you know, maybe a little heavier with pigweed or, or water hemp pressure, if you stay on top of it for a few years, you'll see that population start to drop. It's not a 20 generational problem. You can you can get ahead of the pigweed species for sure. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that encouragement because, yeah, we're going we're gonna to hit it hard and we're going to use crop rotation and a bunch of different things, cover crops, everything we can to try to to get ahead of that thing. And that's kind of what you have to do with pigweed. It's it's all hands on deck all the time. We're talking with Dan Barron here with New Farm about pigweed control. Dan, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks as always. We've got Gail Stratman with us now with FMC. Uh, Gail, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Darren? Pretty good. Pretty good. I've been talking to you a lot about Zyway, it seems like, the last couple of years and trying to learn as much about that chemistry. But you know what? Today we're going back to the old faithful pigweed. It just doesn't seem to go away. Uh, but I know FMC, you've developed a couple new premixes. You got a lot of stuff going here trying to take the pigweed out. So uh, talk to us about the, the strategy you like to use. Well, we talked like, like a lot of uh, people, and it's pretty universally across the industry. We talk a lot about, um, you know, overlapping or sequential residuals, um, really starting with that dual mode of action, uh, effective product down like our Authority Supreme or Authority Edge products are kind of our, our lead candidates there. And then, uh, you know, then coming back with something like our Anthem Max product, uh, you know, a product effective with, with the residual over the top and, and, and really trying to be timely with that. Um, 
you know, trying to make sure that guys put, get that application on before that pre-emergence breaks. Because if you're into that mode, you're really into a rescue mode, and, um, and, and now you're trying to stop the weeds from coming, and that gets real difficult because they're, they're constantly coming. So you want to get that second application on, you know, in that 21-day or so window after soybean emergence um, to try to get that, that second application of, of residual on before, they, uh, before that second flush starts to come. But it made a big difference this year getting after it on the early side because rains were few and far between. So the guys that got their yeah. their anthem max sprayed early, it really had good luck with that. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. let me ask and, you. And, oh, and, go ahead. Go ahead. You bet. And I was just going to say, and sometimes that can, can hurt you because it's dry, but sometimes, you know, in a dry year, you don't have the continual flushes coming either. So it kind of works both ways. But, yeah, sometimes that can be a little challenge, and it's a little better to be on the early side than on the late side for sure. Well, for the guys that didn't get the rain, one one thing I would say that encouraging uh, them is, well, at least it's still there. We aren't going to lose the Anthem Max or, or the uh, residual product that we put out there. It's just going to take some moisture to get it get it going. And you're right. It takes a little moisture to get that next flush going, too. So hopefully, hopefully yeah. you're controlling some weeds down the road, no doubt about that. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not going to photodegrade. They're going to lay there. They're going to bind to that soil and and, and be ready uh, for, for when that moisture does come. And so they'll give you uh, some some residual activity in, in the future. And so you're always looking for that. But like I said, if you've got weeds that are coming maybe a little deeper, you've got residual moisture one inch down, and, and that top inch dries out, then you're going to struggle and you're going to have moist weeds coming down there. So you're always trying to get that, that residual on and, and get it incorporated in when you've got chances for moisture. And like you said, the last couple of years, that's been a, a pretty uh, pretty hit and miss episode. Hey, Brandon and I are going to hit on, on authority and, and the authority products as well as Anthem Max a little bit on the show, but I wanted to ask you something slightly different. So in the Anthem Max, there's the active ingredient from Cadet in there, and you also have a product, Cobra, that a lot of our listeners are, are pretty familiar with. How do you compare those two in terms of uh, weed control and what to expect out in the field, with, with especially with pigweed? Well, like I said, they're both PPO herbicides. Now, Cadet or the Fluthiocet piece that's in Anthemax uh, can be really strong on weeds like Velvet Leaf, uh, Lamb's Quarter, uh, Morning Glories, and gives you that kick there. But it can it can add some additional activity on those small pigweeds. And when we're into a situation where we're constantly worried about resistance or resistance management, having that second mode of action in there to give you that little extra kick, that extra 5 or 10% control on those pigweeds, can make a difference in suppressing or, or managing that seed bank. So um, that can be really important. Um, Cobra is probably a little bit more um, or a little stronger directly on those pigweeds. Um, uh, so, you know, and it can probably manage them when they get a little bit bigger and you really do what I would call a true rescue mode. But we're spraying that, that overlapping of that sequential residual piece, that thiocet that methyl in there on those smaller weeds can really give you a nice extra boost that a lot of times uh, we don't take into account yeah, uh, I, when, we're, I, when we're putting that treatment out. I agree. That extra little kick is is what we're trying to do there. I'm talking with Gail Stratman here with FMC. Thanks for joining us, Gail. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. 
Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It came on a night like any other. With power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. Post-harvest herbicide applications in the fall can spread the workload and achieve efficacy comparable to spring herbicide applications alone. Fall treatments with Burnmaster or Weedmaster provide good control of mare's tail. And adding Panther SC to your spray tank enhances efficacy and controls spring germinating troublemakers like pigweeds and lambs quarters. Get a jump on spring with New Farm's Harvest to Canopy Herbicide Portfolio. Go to newfarm.com forward slash US crop to learn more. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Talking pigweed once again here on Ag PhD Radio. Yes, the pigweeds just keep coming. And as one of our earlier guests today said, they seem to be spreading. Even to areas that haven't fought them, at least haven't had as big a fight with pigweeds before. They're they're moving around and we're seeing different species of pigweed out there too, like palmer showing up in some areas that have historically been red rip pigweed or water hemp areas and seeing water hemp move around some too. So looking at all the different pigweeds out there, getting them under control in a variety of crops. And of course, we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Matt Inman on with us right now with BASF to talk a little pigweed control. Matt, how you doing? Good. I hope you all are. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I guess uh, got a lot of things here that we could could dive into on pigweeds, but I was just thinking about Ingenia today, and I, I saw some 
some uh, yield responses this year, and guys just had great luck with weed control and ultimately yields. Using Ingenia early and trying to get out ahead before those pigweed get so many growing points. We, we often talk about the best pigweed is the one that never emerges, we, if we can control it with the pre, but some of them are going to emerge, let's face it, and when we come back with these post-products, by getting after it early, it sure seems to work better. What's your What's your experience been, Matt? Yeah, 100 uh, percent, especially as, as we're talking about our, our amaranthus species, like you said, our palmers, our water hemps. The, the, the best method is, is to have that proactive approach and, and to get um, manage a weed before it even comes up. But uh, yeah, with it, with Ingenia, obviously one of our, our dynamic industry leading products um, when it comes to our amaranthus control. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it certainly want to get out there as they're small, like with any product, um, and just make sure, try to try to control them before they get out of hand. You know, when you look at uh, post-emerge residuals, that's something, too, where we, we've seen a lot of response. We've had a lot of folks tell us, man, that, that made a big difference for me. The cost is roughly a bushel of beans or a bushel and a half, and, wow, it doesn't take many pigweed to take that kind of yield away. Yeah, that's right. We, you know, in my experience with, with pre's, we've had uh, good luck in getting folks to use strong residuals up front, um, but we're really pushing, okay, you've done that, let's come back and overlap uh, with Ingenia, with, the, with Liberty, but let's throw in Zidua or Outlook, let's overlap those residuals and continue um, that residual control um, hopefully through through uh, canopy closure. That, that's the main goal. You mentioned Zidua and Outlook, and I, I look at those two group 15s, and they're a little bit different, but they're both pretty effective. Uh, why would a grower choose one over the other? Are there are certain geographies you like Zidua in versus Outlook or vice versa? Yeah, they are both very strong group 15s uh, with Outlook, you know, with, with this year maybe a good example where um, we – about planting time, we we turned hot and dry in a lot of places, um, and, and Outlook doesn't take much water at all uh, to get it activated, about a quarter inch of water roughly um, to get it activated. Um, but again, a, a strong pigweed control, um, and then our Zidua is probably um, our top tier residual product. Um, you're going to get a, a much longer uh, residual with, with a product like Zidua uh, and a broad spectrum control. You know, we think about that long-lasting control and, and overlapping residuals, all these things designed to get us out to crop canopy. And, uh, you know, regardless of the crop, we're talking pigweeds today. And I, my brain immediately goes to soybeans, but uh, in corn and cotton and about every other crop out there, growers are fighting pigweeds. And, you know, so we talk about group 15s, uh, the active ingredients from Zidua and Outlook get used in, in products for other crops as well. Uh, are, are there some other chemistries out there you're seeing that are even better, that are miracle products for us, Matt, that we can just spray one thing and be all done with pigweed yet in some other crop, or we still got a ways to go before we get to that? <laughs> I, I wish I had a, a positive answer <laughs> for you on that, but unfortunately, no. Um, no, it's, it, it really takes a, a full approach um, to doing that, and that's, that's what we are trying to get, get our growers um, to think about again, being proactive instead of reactive, um, using our strong residual products um, along with our post chemistries, 
Um, and, and then as we get later in the season, um, if, if, if there are escapes um, that come, get them out of the field. Go hand weed. I know that's not what we want to do, um, and, it, and it is laser, labor intensive, um, but it, it, it promise it, it pays off for itself before if we can remove those weeds before um, seed production. Yeah, it sure does. I, I just think back to the time when Brian and I were kids, and that that is how we would make that final pass through the field. Is we see a few weeds out there, we go pull them, and we didn't have so many resistant weeds back then. But of course, we didn't have a whole lot of chemistries yet at that point. But uh, we want to keep the ones that we've got now around and keep them uh, working as well as they have. We talked a little about Ingenia today. That's certainly been a a real nice chemistry to utilize with dicamba tolerant crops, and then of course residual products like Zidua and outlook uh, to help carry us out to canopy as well uh we're talking to matt inman here with basf matt thank you so much really appreciate all the work you guys do uh trying to bring us great options here for pigweed control and thanks for being on the show today appreciate it guys take care all right let's wipe these pigweed things out this is ridiculous how we've got so many pigweed species out there and we have lots of answers okay so the the whole thing where i think a lot of people get in trouble is they start thinking you can kill it post. You cannot kill all the pigweeds post. You're going to have to start with something pre. And believe me, I know we farm too. And it, it'd be great to just have to run the sprayer, just need to run the sprayer over the field one time and we're done. But if you're thinking these pigweed species, dream on. Not happening. So you got to make a pass before you plant is my advice. And then you come after you plant with at least one more application, if not two. So here'd be my suggestion. If it's me and my farm and I said, okay, I got a disaster with pigweed, this is what I would do. In corn, I'd probably start out with verdict. And the reason why I would start verdict is, yes, you can go full rate group 15. And believe me, I want you to use the, the verdict and bump some more group 15 in there so you get the full rate of a group 15, period. And group 15s, by the way, if you're not familiar with that, that's Outlook, Dual, Zidua, Surpass, Harness, all those kind of products. But anyway, it's the sharpen in the verdict because a lot of people are using ALS chemistries or other things that just aren't very good as their broadleaf addition. Well, use verdict pre. That's going to get you off to the best start possible in corn. And then post-emerge status is the best. HBBDs are certainly not bad, but we are seeing a little bit of resistance out there with some of the pigweeds. Just use status. That for sure is going to kill 100% of the pigweeds that you get good spray coverage on as long as they're, you know, not super tall or anything. But anyway, I would also throw in just a little bit of atrazine and you could add a little HPPD or group 15 if you really wanted to for even more residual. But you do those two things and you raise a fantastic crop of corn. So in other words, you got to have it well-drained and fertilized well. And your pigweeds are gone in corn. Soybeans is where we see the toughest situation. I mean, we can talk wheat too, I guess, real quick. I'd say start with sharpen, follow with husky FX, done. Again, sharpen pre, husky FX post, done. Water hemp, palmer, red root, gone. Okay, so soybeans, I'd say start with the three pre's. So that's a yellow, either trifluralin or prowl, then metribuzin and a PPO, either Valor or Authority. So you start with the three pre's. Then you follow up early post with something like Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max. The point is we want to get a group 15 out there for more residual and we want another PPO. 
I like the Warrant Ultra the best if it's labeled in your area because it's got the Flexstar in there from Mesofen that has the longest residual. So if you do the three pre's, you follow with Warrant Ultra just as an example, you'd have four effective modes of action and five chemistries already and your beans aren't even four inches tall. So that's what I would do. Start with the three pre's, follow with the Warrant Ultra early post. After that, then it's basically cleanup. So depending on your trait, you might want to use Liberty, Dicamba, 2,4-D, could be Cobra. I mean, you have options, but when you start with all those herbicides, all having residual, oh, it, it's just going to make a world of difference for you. So anyway, pigweeds, you absolutely can control them on your farm. Just make sure you're making a plan in the winter. You actually stick to the plan in the spring and get something out there and multiple effective modes of action out there pre-emerge as much as you can and you should be off to a good start. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere. And we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop, it's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. 
Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we are taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Got a message from Adam, and he said, guys, I just finished getting some wheat in uh, before the weekend, caught a little bit of rain over the weekend, and now temperatures are falling. Today's high, 60, low of 35. Tomorrow's high, 57, low of 38, and Wednesday's high, 52, low of 42. I wanted to spray some Sharpen and Roundup. Just wondering, is it still worth doing so this late in the season with temperatures falling? I wish you would have asked me the question first because I wasn't paying attention. Well, I mean, I was paying attention to the temperatures you said, but I don't remember what the low was. I okay, it's more important tonight, what the low. Thirty five for a low, yep, sixty one for a nope, high. I'm wasting your time. Then fifty seven for a high, thirty eight for low for then, roundup. Yeah, he yeah. said he said two things and sharpen. Yeah, the, the sharpen to get the residual out of it, fine. But I mean, let, think about this. With Roundup, well, okay, With sh- let's start with the Sharpen. All Sharpen does, it usually doesn't kill roots all that well. It just burns stuff to the ground. Well, the frost is going to do that for you. So all you're, all you're left with is the residual of Sharpen, which is short. So would I spend the money on that? No, I would not. Sharpen, by the way, going into this next year, it sounds like it might be a little bit short in supply. So honestly, I'd probably save it for my spring use and go that way. And the Roundup at this point, in my opinion, yeah, you're wasting your money. What were we trying to kill? Didn't say which weed. Oh, just yeah, it, no, he's no-till, and he put in some wheat, just wondering if it's still worth it spraying. You know, I think about it, though, if you miss that window, if you had emerged grasses, like winter annual grasses, like say cheatgrass was emerged, <laughs> uh, you missed it. You kind of missed the window right, on that. Right, It's just, It's just going to be too cold. I mean, yeah, if, if the Roundup would actually work, and let's say it was cheatgrass, that'd be great. I'd love that. But... I, I, I can't guarantee you that it's going to work when the temperature is getting that cold, especially, I mean, when you're down into the 30s, it very well could hit 32, and you're going to get absolutely no no extra activity out of it. So, I don't know. It, it, it's unfortunate, but, you know, we all run into this situation. We, we, we farm in an imperfect world, so sometimes we just miss it, and we just have to say, all right, for next year, I'm going to make sure I don't miss it, or I'm going to do this or that or whatever. We all uh, kind of learn from those things, and yeah, sometimes when weather sets in a little quicker than we think, that kind of stuff happens. Sorry. All right, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Uh, this one came in from Brandon, and we've been seeing a lot of uh, soil samples and those kind of things, but Brandon sent in a couple of yield maps, and he said, all right, guys, uh, I, I'm looking at soybean pre's and attached our maps of where we put on a pre and where we didn't. And I purposely didn't put enough in the tank so we would run out so we could have a, a difference here. For some reason, the field averaged 74, which is awesome, but it looks like the pre cost us about seven bushels. There's about seven bushels less on the side of the field where you use the pre. Now, there's a couple hot spots in there. Uh, 
And I'm just wondering, I put on a pint and a half of Prowl. That's about a half rate. Three-tenths of a pound of of Metribuzin. That's about a 60% rate. No, three-tenths of a pound. Third of a pound would be full rate. Wait. Oh, sorry, Metribuzin. I thought you were were on authority. Never mind. Sorry. uh, I had it it mixed up in my list. Yeah. Yeah, A third of a pound is a half rate. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Which is is normal. That's what we would like to put on. Yes, we normally like using a half rate. Three ounces of Sofentrazone. Yep, so that's about a 60% rate there. And three pounds of copper sulfate. Yeah, now the copper sulfate, um, I don't think that would be causing any of this issue. But anyway, go okay, finish your so, question here. So he said, it's in northern Illinois, and my CEC is lighter <clears throat> for this area. It's 9 to 12. Organic matter is 2.6 to 2.9, and pH is in the 6.1 to 6.9 range. Okay, so here's what I saw on that map. There were only a couple of spots, really, where we had yield loss. And there were a whole bunch of spots where this was sprayed where the yield was still great and just as good as the other area that didn't have any of the uh, of this mix on there. So would the Prowl have done it? No. Would the Authority have done it? I seriously doubt it. Would the Metribuzin have done it? That is the most likely candidate here. I would rank Metribuzin as one, the copper sulfate as... Uh, I really don't think the copper sulfate would do it. I, I hate to rate that too. But I'd, I'd say there's a one and everything else is like way down the list. So here's here's my theory. the Go to the worst of the yield spots. So where the yield, and well, I say worst, this for most people, they're going to be like, what? That's great beans. Where the beans are only 62 to 68 bushels, go to the worst spots and soil test right there. Here's my guess. My guess is either your canning exchange capacity is lower than the 9 to 12 you told us, or your pH is higher than the 6.1 to 6.9. Because as soon as you get to around a 7.4, then generally speaking, we'll tell guys don't use over a sixth of a pound, if not even an eighth of a pound of Metribuzin. So that could be it. And you might say, well, I have several tests out there. I know you might, but you could just have a couple of real hot spots for pH or low spots for cation exchange capacity. If the cation exchange capacity is less than 5, we'll tell people all the time, for sure, don't use Metribuzin. It's too sandy. It'll tell you right on the label, too. Sandy, no, don't use it. Now, um, is it possible that in that range of, like, let's call it 5 to 10, something like that, that we could have an issue with metribuzin at a third of a pound. It's possible if you had just the right rain or whatever, because it's still, it's not what I would consider very sandy, but it's still probably sandy enough and low organic matter enough that that could have caused the problem. So if you would just go to those very worst spots, I'd, 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 I'd take them separately. There were, it looked to me like there were two bad spots. I'd take them separately, soil test them, and then let's see what that looks like. And if you want, you can send us the results, and and then we can talk more. All right. Thank you. Really appreciate that, Brandon. Hopefully we can help you figure out exactly what happened out there, because certainly the weed control differences would be interesting to note as well if you saw some escape weeds or something on one side or or the other, or if you did a good job with that. It's it's tricky. It's tricky to get that timer right if you don't have the pre to, to get those weeds under control. I got an email that came in from Paul, and he said, Hey, guys, just wanted to thank you for presenting the positive value of agriculture. And Paul gave a couple of uh, recommendations here on a book and uh, and also a speaker uh, talking about some mental health issues in ag. Hey, thanks for that, Paul. We really appreciate that, and thanks for your support. 
uh, get a question that came in from... Hey, oh, I, I was just going to say, I was talking to some agronomists about this the other day, and I, I made the comment that... When we're talking pre-emerge herbicides, because we've talked pre's a bunch here today, like with water hemp and and palmer pigweed and redroot pigweed, so we were talking pigweed control. And I, I said, here's one of the things I want you to think about. For a lot of farmers, hopefully, they're coming off two pretty good years financially. And as long as the finances are no longer the number one worry, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is going to last forever and everybody's set for life or for eight generations down the road or anything like that, but I'm simply saying if you're not worried about what you're going to eat for the next year, you got enough money to do that, chances are your worries become something else. And one of the big things that our dad always used to say is he goes, guys, I don't ever want to skip the pre because I've done it before. And when I do, I can't sleep at night. And we often forget. I mean, we're so busy talking agronomy here at Ag PhD and and quite frankly, agronomists are too. Your agronomist is going to talk to you about agronomy things, which that's their job, right? Killing the weeds, the insects, the diseases, fertility plans, seed selection, all that stuff. But here's my point. At the end of the day, you know what? It's pretty easy to say, to overlook some of these things that could really make a difference for your mental health in the spring. So even on our own farm, when we get our prees out there in March, and we don't plant until starting in the middle of April, but when we get our prees out early, I just feel so much better. I really do. When I know that I've got that pre out, and even if we just get it done shortly before planting, I just feel better because now I know I'm well on the way to controlling some of these tough weeds because if I see the weeds and I have to drive past the field every single day and I see weeds, it bothers me. And you may be the same way. So just don't forget that. It's not just about weed control and economics sometimes. We've got to think about our mental health. The pre's are tremendously important. We're going to get to more of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Schedule your service appointment with the experts at CNB and make sure your equipment is in top shape to keep you in the field and ahead of the game. CNB is your local John Deere dealer. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeerEquipment.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG, specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. You put everything you've got into securing the next generation of your farm. So why not take it a step further? 
Commodity Classic is America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused, educational, and agricultural experience, where you'll find thought-provoking education, a huge trade show with the latest ag technology, and networking with thousands of farmers who are preparing for the next generation just like you. Join us in Orlando March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at CommodityClassic.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email radio at agphd.com. Get this one in from Marion down in Nebraska, and I, I love this one. This one sounds like a farmer who was listening to Brian. He said, I have heard you guys say you bought large amounts of dry fertilizer when it was cheap a couple years ago. How did you incorporate that? Did you use a yep. moldboard plow, chisel plow, nope. something else? Did you do it no-till? Yeah, curious if you did tillage, how deep did you work that stuff in? Sure. Um, it really varied. So we we do a lot of different things. That's why this is a hard question to answer because we're trying ex- we're doing experiments, trying different things on different acres. So we did a lot of things. Uh, so here, let, let me give you a little backstory. Um we every year look at our fields and we're trying to get our ground built up. We are much more concerned about the long term than we are the short term. I, I, I mean, and granted, we had to think differently 20 years ago and we didn't have any money. Okay. And I'm not saying we're rich, but I am saying, you know, by the time you get into your mid fifties, hopefully you've at least yeah, got after you've been making land payments for right. decades, hopefully, you finally get a little bit of equity. Right. Hopefully, yeah, by the time you're in your mid fifties, you're not on your last dollar like we may have been thirty years ago. But anyway, so now what we say is I mean, we have a whole bunch of land now too. And so you pick up a new piece of ground that's terrible for fertility and it's like, okay, we all the rest of these were in pretty good shape. Let's just build this this one way up. But anyway, we had a lot of our fields where we just said, okay, we're at 4% base saturation K. And if, if fertilizer ever gets cheap again, let's just, let's build it way up to where we really want it. Six or 7% base saturation K. Let's get our phosphorus to at least a hundred parts per million, if not a little more and things like that. So anyway, that happened in, in when COVID hit too. So Darren and I, over the over the last 20 years, we've well, we've been doing the Ag PhD TV show for 25 years now. 25 years, it's hard to believe. And the radio show here for nine. But anyway, we used to do a lot of traveling around, and we were used to that. And now all of a sudden, COVID hits. We can't go anywhere. We're here, 
And I mean, granted, South Dakota wasn't shut down. So, I mean, we were able to operate our business and farm and everything else. And it's like, okay, we got all this extra time. And so we had more time for analysis, more time to look at, all right, what could we do to make the farm better and everything else? And I looked at fertilizer prices and I'm like, guys, this is the year. Let's do it. And we also, to some degree, lucked out that year. And don't get me wrong, I would have loved to have had rain and better yields. But the rain stopped July 5th. So by the time we got to October, it was very dry. We had no rain through the whole fall. We had a long fall, one of the longest ever. In other words, we were able to keep doing work way into November. So we just kept spreading and spreading and spreading. Well, what did we do for tillage? We had some that still got manure on it. So whatever that tillage was, it, you know, it's relatively light, but it was uh, liquid manure injected. We were out there with field cultivator uh, on a little bit, but a lot of it was chisel plowed or dist or disc ripped, something like that. And then there was some where it just sat no-till, at least until the following spring. Uh, we did some where it was strip-till. We still broadcast, but then we strip-tilled. So we did all kinds of stuff. I'll say this, though. If you're going to have P and, and K, especially phosphorus, even in lighter soils, phosphorus just doesn't move down. So the, the zinc, the copper, the phosphorus, those kind of things that are immobile in soil, you've got to till them down in the ground if you want them in the ground and available for your crop in a big way. So we just figured, okay, we're not going to get all this done this fall or even the following spring. It's bone dry. But let's take care of it, you know, within a year or something like that. So most everything now has been tilled at least a little bit deeper. Uh, a lot of stuff has been disc ripped or something at some point here. So, yeah, we want to drive it deeper. We just didn't do all of it right then. All right. Thanks for the question. Get this one from Mark in South Dakota. He said, uh, First of all, just to note, I finished installing drain tile on my home place quarter section this year, so my bottom ground that's poorly drained is completely tiled. I want to I've seen a lot of tiles. I've driven around the country this year. A lot of guys putting stuff in. Go ahead. I said I want to concentrate on making corrections to lower my pH and also work on my base saturation. That's uh, the foundation of these questions. So okay. strip tilled for the first time on soybean ground going into corn for this year. Dropped all the fertility down six to eight inches deep at the bottom of the shank. Great. Uh, had RTK planted right over the top, and my plan is to move over 15 inches yep. and strip till again. Yep. Now, I've got pH values between 7 and 8. Okay. And just wondering how much expected P and K uptake will occur in the strips. Will I get most of the fertility that yep. I put out there? Yep. Well, assuming that it dissolves. We've had this happen before, too. You said he's from South Dakota. Here in South Dakota, we can't well, count on rain. Where all he's the time. at in southeast South Dakota, it was dry this year. It was really dry. Okay, so so we've had it before. We put strip till out at that same depth, or a little, just a little bit deeper, and gone out the following. Gone, done this in October, or November. Gone out the following July, and we still find dry fertilizer there. So if you don't get rain, I'm obviously it's the stuff's not going to break down. It's not going to get taken up. That's why we say in dry areas, use at least a little bit of liquid. So not necessarily with a strip tail, but maybe with a planter or something. So, you know, at least some fertilizers going in. But yeah, as soon as it dissolves, it'll get taken up. And it, it certainly could be mostly this year. Was that what else? Do you have oh, a question? He said the other thing is uh, soil sampling. So if I didn't take it all up, 
Yep. How, how do you recommend that I soil sample? And then well, the last question is going to be, how do I make base saturation corrections through the profile since I'm trying to stay away from full-scale tillage but trying to increase specifically potassium? Okay, in terms of soil sampling, don't get too worried about it. If you put out what you think the crop is going to remove, or roughly what it did remove, then you can soil sample anywhere and your samples will be about the same. If you're putting on a big build program, which it doesn't sound like here, but if you are, then you're going to have more in the strip, and that's just the way it is. So a lot of people are still going to tell you to randomly sample. You know... I, I probably am going to tell you the same thing because the odds are you're not putting on some great big build program. But when you talk about building like for your base saturation, I'm not a real big fan of building in a zone or in a strip. You can do it if you would like to, but it does become problematic when you're out there trying to soil test because really we got to look at kind of what's the average across our whole ground to try to figure out do I have enough here to raise the crop or do I not? And especially do I have enough to start balancing my overall soil profile? So here's where I'm going on this. Your 7 to 8 pH, what that's telling you is something's out of balance in your soil. And without looking at your soil test, I can't tell you what that is. But I have, a, have an inkling that K is probably one of those things. So we had some ground that was low 8s for pH about 10 years ago. We put on a bunch of K. Our pH came down. Let me say that again. High pH, we put on a whole bunch of K to get our base saturation from like 1.5 up to 4+, plus, and our soil pH came down. You wouldn't normally think of potassium as lowering pH, but soil pH is just a symptom. I mean, that is telling you something's off. Fix what's off, and your pH is going to start to neutralize. So am I saying that potassium alone is going to take an 8 pH down into the 6s where we want it? No. But what I am saying is you got to look at everything here. So I'm not super worried about your pH issue for today. We found we can still raise pretty darn good yields in the 7 to 8 pH range, but just focus on all the nutrients. Let's try to get things in balance, and over time that pH will start coming down. But, yeah, if we're going to be on a big build program like with K, I'd just broadcast it. That's what I'd do. Yep, even if you aren't going to till it in. And yeah. you know what? You'll work it in over the next couple of years. You'll yep. move it next down to the profile years, sooner with that strip till too. Yeah. So if it's me, I I I would strip till using grain removal rates. I would if I'm going to work on a big build program, then that's where we usually like to go broadcast. All right. Uh, last question here. This comes in from Ryan down in Nebraska, and he said, I'm in southeast Nebraska, didn't have the greatest yields this year, putting on anhydrous, but going five to six inches deep, seeing some clods, just wondering, would you advise waiting till spring? And since we didn't have the best yields, should we go get nitrogen samples to see yes. how much is still out there? Definitely sample for nitrogen. And as far as the anhydrous, if it's not sealing up well, then I would wait. And you don't have to wait until spring. Oh, you can just wait for another, I don't know, a few weeks. I I know the ground temperature where we're at, and it's hot right now. Now, granted, it's going to get really cold soon. But still, you might have some opportunity to put on anhydrous three weeks from now where you're at. I don't know. But I think there's a little time. So let's pray for a little rain. Things will seal up a little bit better, and then maybe it's fine. Yeah, you want to see what you got out there always before putting nitrogen out. It, it can really surprise you. I know we've been surprised the last couple of years what we've seen out there, certainly in pockets out in the field. So uh, take a look at that. When you end up with too much N out there, one thing you can get in stressful situations is smut as well. So you want to try and dial that thing in right and save some money too. 
Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.